0: yoked again to a bond of slavery so once upon a time we were all slaves slaves to ourselves and he came to not only set us free from ourselves but to uh, for us to continue to learn from him that we would no longer go back to being slaves and I just think there's, there's you know, there's a reality to be experienced of freedom in him And uh, it's it's mind-blowing to think that you can be free from offense, free from insult, free from physical abuse, that Jesus came to heal and to release his kingdom, his way, his DNA, his design, his value system, his culture, that we can experience the life that he lived his life from. You know, and he that's what he came to do. I've come to set you free. And I've come to maintain your freedom, but I've come to propel you into more freedom. Um, because in me I am the answer to life. You know, I hold the words to life, and Peter discovered that. And I just want to encourage us because it starts at this thing called surrender. And that's what we've been looking at. And so often we want to find freedom, but we don't want to surrender. We want to find it on our terms. And we want to do a bargain with God You know I've bargained with him in the past You do this for me I'll do this for you It's a great deal God You're getting such a bargain You know you must think what are you doing man um, So I want to encourage us tonight To pursue freedom Pursue what is available in him which is for us The gospel set Paul free. The gospel brought Paul into a place of righteousness where he understood the righteousness of God, but he understood how right he was in God. And it's one of the greatest revelations you can receive to realize how right you have been made by the gospel, by Jesus. It's phenomenal to have that. Revealed in you And then to live from it That although you may mess up here and there And continue to And all those things None of those things disqualify you None of those things hold you back And it's amazing to know isn't it That our sin and our inequity don't disqualify us And so to let those things disqualify you Is criminal Because they don't disqualify you from his perspective And it's by faith, and the Bible screams. I've just been in Romans. Faith, faith, faith. Paul lived his life by faith. He understood. He saw by faith. He lived by faith. He walked by faith in Christ. Because he knew how right he was. Because he'd received the gospel through a revelation of Jesus. But the man had to come to a point in his life where he was surrendered. And that's our challenge because as we've been looking at, you know, we never, ever give up. That's what Winston Churchill taught the English in the war. We never, give a, ever, ever give up. And yet God says give up. Give up, give me. And so we're just going to finish this surrender thing even though it never finishes. <laughs> but my thoughts Finish. So Surrender 3. I'm going to try and keep this quite short. (laughs) Famous last words. Um, If you weren't here this morning, so if you weren't here, um, you'll see as you walked in, there's a book out there called Bird's Eye View. And Feel free to grab one, two, three copies um, for yourself, for anyone else that uh, may want to know more than what they currently know. Um, this has been a year in the making and six years in the process of walking out and just journeying with him. And I'll just read you the back. And The question that I ask is, do we long to see from a divine perspective? Do we long to see from how God sees, not how we think he sees? or from our perspective. You know, I'm starting to lose my close-range sight. I should have bought my glasses. And you know, when you lose, it's a bit foggy, and you're trying to make out, what is this? What is that? And that's what it can be like, kind of walking with him. You know, sharpness of sight, being able to see in the Spirit is the answer to living out the Spirit. Being able to hear in the Spirit is the answer to be able to live out in the Spirit. And so do we long to see from a divine perspective? We have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, and yet just like the disciples, we at times can find ourselves struggling to hear, see, receive, and understand what God is saying in relation to himself and his purposes for his church. What an honor and a privilege it is to be invited to see, hear, receive, and understand from a divine perspective a bird's eye view paul said that god has given us his spirit so that we may know the things freely given to us by god which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the spirit the words in this book is my attempt to share with us truth from a higher viewpoint a bird's eye view that is able to see much more because of the height in which it flies isaiah 46:10 says that god is the god who declares the end from the beginning For us to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, it is critical we too come to know the picture of his finish line to which he is calling his people. When we are able to see with a bird's eye view, his finish line becomes clear. My hope is that we will receive the words of this book by faith and ask the Spirit of God to renew our minds to what is being declared. And, you know, some of the chapters in here, just to give you a bit of a, an insight Um, and I shared this this morning but chapter 4 is the indestructible life in Christ is that there's a life that we've been called to live from and it's indestructible Jesus said the church that he builds overpowers the gates of Hades do not overpower the church he's building so really the gates of Hades the flesh don't overpower those of the spirit because when you walk in the Spirit, Spirit overcomes flesh. Uh, I will build my church. How does Jesus build his church? Who is the church? I ask questions like, why do we say we come to church if we are the church? And what sits behind that mindset? And what sits behind that language? Because the mindset defines a behavior. And a behavior is truly our true knowledge of what we have. So how we live, the demonstration, is what we really think and believe. So if we really believe we are the church, then why do we keep saying we come to it? Why do people say they get married in the church? If the church are God's people. It makes no sense, does it? If I turned up and I said, hey, do you love my red pants? You're like, what are you talking about? My red pants? I know they're not red, but do you love my red pants? You'd think something was wrong with my eyes. If I kept saying these are red... It makes no sense. And I talk in the book about there's actually a, a very subtle veneer over our eyes and our mind that needs to be unlocked. Because I believe many's lives reflect coming to church. But when you understand you really are it, then everything starts to shift. Responsibility starts to shift. Men, when you really understand that you're the church then the role and the responsibility that God has, the headship that you take on now, everything has to shift because you realize that there's a res- responsibility that God has. Ladies, when you realize you're the church, submission isn't just something that whether you choose to do, it's the way in which you, d- you do. There's functioning roles that the church fulfills and plays, see? But if you just come to it, flag that. don't like any of that stuff. And so I've tried to unpack a whole lot of stuff in 211 pages Um, what about family from Jesus' perspective and the challenge for us is that it's all about divine order isn't it it's like what we're talking about with surrender and commitment it's all about divine order am I committed or am I to be surrendered first So does my commitment, is it defined by my surrender? Which way round does this all go? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, there's a divine order. There's a functioning order. God has a functioning order for everything. And if we're outside of that order, then we're dysfunctional. Would you agree with that? So if we're not operating the way he intends, then we're dysfunctional. You know, everything that is built has design. A car is designed a certain way, and if it's not working in accordance to its design, it's dysfunctional. Well, we're no different. And so we must understand his ways. We must understand not only him, but his ways and the way he does everything. And this is the greatest challenge for us because, as I said, it starts at this S word and it's called surrender. And it is the complete opposite to what our flesh wants to do. Especially if you've been abused. If you've been abused, this becomes really hard to do even more. That's why we've got to get healed. That's why we have to allow the Father to heal us and and go into those areas and heal those broken areas and allow him in so he can heal you, so you can live in the truth. Because so often if we're not, then we, we actually shy away from truth. And yet the truth is going to set us free. But because of our past and our brokenness, it actually keeps us repelled out of truth. And yet the truth sets you free. That's where the freedom is. Um, so we've been looking at this thing called surrender. And the first thing I said was our surrender to Christ must define our commitment to Christ. Do can remember that about three weeks ago? You know, I said um, last week we've all got this insatiable need to want to do something. I'm going to change the world I'm going to 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 and that must be surrendered to the Lord before we ever get on board with picking up a cross he says deny the God of self because the God of self that is not submitted back to me will get you in all sorts of trouble doesn't matter how great it looks how great it sounds in my name it'll be done in your will it's called blasphemy, to take the name of the Lord, doing it in his name, but you're actually doing it in your will. And so that's what we looked at. And I said there are three types of followers, roughly. There are unsurrendered, uncommitted. None of those people here. <laughs> that's why <what> you're here. <laughs> but there are unsurrendered, uncommitted. And this morning we looked at the will. What are you doing with the will you've been given, choosing you or him? God has given us free choice. He says, with the free choice you've been given, are you going to live for me and my design and my purposes, or are you going to live for you? So there are plenty of followers who want to receive the washing of his life and then still live for themselves. So not only are we unsurrendered, we're uncommitted, and it's basically all about us. We probably know some of those people. Maybe being one of them now and again. Oh, I have. Yeah? Then there's committed but not surrendered. So then I'm committed, but I'm going to do it my way. And it's my way or no way. So I'll give you an example, because this is always relevant for me, and sorry musicians, but I remember in the music team, you know, it was like, well, this is how I play. Well, can you play like this? In fact, can you not play? (gasps) Ooh, what do you mean not play? Now, you, you know, now you're pushing it. You want me to play like that, now you ask me not to play? Yeah, because if you're surrendered, it's not about you and showing us how flash your licks are. It's not about being a rock star. And so there are people who are committed to Christ. Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name, but I don't know who you are. They just were never surrendered because, once again, the battle of the will. And it's a battle, isn't it? It is a battle between flesh and spirit. That's where the real war lies. We like to think it's the enemy because that's a great excuse to not deal with your flesh that's raging. But the real battle is between your flesh and your spirit. It always has been, it always will be. And once the spirit overcomes the flesh, the enemy has nothing to go on. He has absolutely nothing to go on. Why? Because the church Jesus is building is overcoming it all. It's still smoke screens and illusions and it looks all scary, but it's nothing. Because once you know who you are and who he is, you just continue to walk. So when he came to Christ, Christ just spoke the living word to him and he left. To come back for another opportune time though, but he left. There's no real massive thing going on. It's I know who I am because why? because I'm surrendered. And because I've surrendered and I've come through that door, My surrender is then defining my commitment. And the third one is surrendered and committed. And that's who we want to be. We want to be people who are surrendered and committed to him and his purpose. Amen? All right. So I'm not sure where you are there on that journey, but we need to be surrendered and committed. And then last week I talked about the two attributes that drive this behavior of committed but not surrendered. And I talked about how we all have this insatiable need to do and an insatiable need for knowledge. And those two things drive man. You know, you think about it in the earth, the knowledge where we're trying to figure out how we get on Mars. You know, we're trying to figure out this. We're trying to figure out there is this knowledge because man goes, if I have knowledge, I have power. If I have power, I have control. And I can lord that control over people. You see? So it's all interconnected. And there's a sensation we'll need to do. I want to go do something. And God has put those two things in us, but they've been poisoned by the fall. And so now we're dysfunctional with these things that God gave us. And if we don't give them back to God and let God define them, we're going to get in trouble. Because it will be my will defining his truth. Can you hear what I'm saying? You see the level of surrender that's needed, can't you? And it's a surrender through the Spirit because all of this I'm talking about is through the Spirit, and this is what makes it so tricky because you can't just go away now and buy the four-step plan of how you get surrendered. Okay, you've talked about surrender, now how do you get surrendered? Give me the four steps to being surrendered, and I'm going to give you a sort of a step tonight, but it's once again, it's all of the Spirit because Paul spoke words taught by the spirit not human words so there are how-tos in the spirit and there are how-tos in the flesh and sometimes when we hear the how-tos in the spirit we go they're not how-tos no because you're hearing them through the flesh they are i wrote this question on the board for the staff why is we why is it that we miss what's right in front of us why is it that we're always looking for something more deeper than what it actually is? That's because we've got the sensational need for knowledge, and we go, "It's so simple. I'm way more intelligent than that. It must be more, you know, it must be more complicated than that." And yet, in the simple is the profound. God is simple, but He's deep. <laughs> That's right, and so. We have to find this place of the simplicity and be able to hear it and come into the vastness of life. And so here's the question. How do we become more surrendered? So our surrender defines our commitment. How do we become more surrendered? Because I think that's what Ann was asking last week. How do, how do we come into this position and There may be more ways, but here are the two that I've sort of come up with, which I think are the two ways, but tribulation, (laughs) revelation. Tribulation being trial, pain, loss. Because remember we talked about last week that we all have this thing called a spirit of pride living in us. It's why we're separated from God. Even if you don't think you have it in you, you're full of pride because you're full of flesh. And when you receive him, you receive the spirit, but that doesn't mean that flesh leaves you, does it? And the Bible speaks so much of how pride destroys life. Before a fall comes pride. And it's a spiritual thing. It's a spirit of pride, which we all have. And so that How does that get squashed? Because that is what restricts us from entering into a surrendered position because that doesn't want to surrender. So how does, how do you get trumped? How do you come into this? And this is why God will allow things to happen. Because of love. God allows stuff because he loves us. And I was thinking about this, and I was trying to wrap my brain. I was going, okay, Lord, show me through your word who were the people that came into life without tribulation? <laughs> who just came in through relationship, through revelation? And the only one I could think of was Enoch. And God took him. Now, there may be other people who came into this abundant life through Their desire to seek God out and to spend time with him for who he is, out of purity, out of revelation, out of love. But I said, well, who are the people that came through tribulation? And they came to my mind a lot more quicker. (laughs) Moses is one. (laughs) Let's get back to Enoch. Well, ultimately, that position is the position to learn from, and that's what I really want to talk about tonight. It is through revelation. But there was only, as I said, there, was, there might be more, but there was only 1, 1%, like 99.99% of people are going to come through some sort of tribulation. Why? Because the spirit of pride lives. And like I said to you, we all think we're good, don't we? See, I think I'm a good guy. I have value. I have rights. And yet the word says no one is good, no one sought God, none of you. If I do not draw you out of your stupor, you're all gone. So the Bible declares one thing, and I think one thing. Can you see why the mind must be renewed by the power of the Spirit? To bring me into the truth. And so Moses, 40 years. See, he came out of Egypt. He was the cream of the cream. He was a man that spoke with power. The Bible says he was powerful in word and deed. Indeed. He'd grown up in the empire And he learnt all the Egyptian ways Egypt was representative of the world So he was not this Bumbling man that went to Pharaoh When he he Started 40 years in being grown up In the wisdom of the world Strong man And we see that Because the first thing he does Is go kill someone Oh I don't like that Take you out And then he goes to help When his Fellow brothers are in trouble, and they know. And they say, oh, you're going to kill one of us like you did yesterday. Ooh! And then God takes him 40 years, what, to break the man down. And then you see him go to Pharaoh. What, what are you going to say? What happened to the guy that could, was powerful in word and deed? Where did he go? You see, as God starts to do this work on his heart and his mind, the humility starts to birth. And the Bible actually says that he became the most humble man on the planet. He's been transitioned. He's gone through a transition of being Moses to, I don't know what to say. What am I going to say in front of all these people? I don't know what I'm going to say in front of the Jewish people. And God says, now I can use you. Now you're ready. 40 years. He didn't start till he was 80 See, God waits a long time to get the man that he wants, the way he wants it, or the woman, while his people are screaming in captivity. God is very comfortable, are we? Is that the God you know? Well, it's not fair. Who determines what fear is? See, when you're surrendered, you start coming into a greater understanding and you realize you are the clay and at times you don't speak back to the potter. You just accept the potter's ways because he's brought you into his ways because you were surrendered. So there's Moses. What about David? We looked at him last week. The Goliath slayer. The king of kings. And yet he has to go through a process because that pride that's in him says I'm going to have her. I'm going to get him killed. So he commits adultery and murder. Put that on your CV. (laughs) I'm the king of Israel and I commit adultery and murder. And then Nathan comes to him like we looked at. The man breaks. And then he writes Psalm 51, 16 to 17 because he realizes, oh my goodness, what about Peter? Peter's full of gusto. They're all full of themselves. They're all, we're going to go with you. We're brothers in arms. And then they have the opportunity to and then they fail. And the Bible says that Peter wept bitterly. He's breaking the flesh, starting to crack and fall apart. It's the greatest thing that can happen when the flesh falls apart. It starts to crack, that you realize you've been struggling your whole life to keep yourself together. And the greatest thing is let yourself crack. So you have Peter. What about Paul? Paul's on the road to Damascus. What happens to Paul? Jesus speaks to him. A light comes and blinds him. Now you've got to know Paul is Saul, and so Saul thinks he's somebody because he's studied under Gamaliel. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He is the elect of the elect, and he is way beyond some of the people of his years and older than him. So this man has learned to live on his own ability. And he studied the ways of the world, thinking he's studying the ways of God. So he is a somebody, and he's only ever relied upon himself. And he was the man who was giving orders to stone Stephen. He was somebody, and he had letters to to, to persecute the church. So imagine being that type of person, never trusted anyone, you don't need to, you are the cream of the cream, and all of a sudden you're blind. You've never had to depend on anyone in your life, now you're blind. And God's speaking to you going, uh, yeah, it's me, by the way, you're persecuting. His whole reality is starting to crack. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. Now, he knows he's blind. And the Bible says it was three days. He never ate or drank anything. Something serious is going on in the man's heart and mind the realisation that maybe I haven't got it all together and all of a sudden something's happening. He hadn't yet been baptised in the Holy Spirit because Ananias hadn't yet. This is just the fact that he's starting to break. The mould of Saul is starting to fall apart. And then he sees in a vision, Ananias gets taught in a vision to go and then he's filled with the Spirit of God and the man's life starts to change from Saul to Paul. See, there's something about tribulation, loss, that breaks us. Pain is the greatest, one of the greatest motivators for change. Anyone known that? I am a walking example of that. Let me read this to you. People change when they hurt enough that they have to. Who come to the Lord through that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't recommend it, but I do I came to God because I hurt enough that I had to I'd been avoiding it for nine long years Number one, people change when they learn enough that they want to So you change, you're going to surrender Once again, you're certainly going to change your ways because you've learnt and you now want to. Not because you have to. See, when you have to, there's no other options. But the cool thing about having to is you know there's no other options. You've run out all the options because you've tried all the options and so there's no option left but him. Although I never want to go back there, it was a great place to arrive at. Because it killed the old Greek Simnel. Smashed into a trillion pieces. And yes, you continue to be renewed, but the spirit of pride was smashed and broken. It was like a vase. The yeah. Bible says God will give you his beauty for your ashes, doesn't it? The Bible says that God will come and take you from a miry clay and lift you out of the clay and put your feet on a rock and put a new song in your mouth. That's my testimony. I was at the bottom of the miry clay, sinking in the quicksand, and I screamed out to heaven because I was smashed and broken. Heaven came, filled me with heaven, lifted me out of the miry clay, put me on Christ the rock, and put a new song in my mouth and said, Now walk. Wow, the gospel of Jesus Christ revealed realized the righteousness of wow you're joking me is this this is what it's about this is how powerful I am and the last one is people change when they receive enough that they are able to you receive enough that you're able to and that's really where we want to be we want to be in this position where Revelation after revelation after revelation causes more and more surrender, not tribulation after tribulation after tribulation. If you have to keep getting broken and smashed and broken and smashed, you are one stubborn mule. they were the Israelites, but we are can be we can be those people we 're no different to them because we 're all flesh and blood you see it 's like God does not want you to go God does not want us to go through. Loss and loss and loss for us to realize how great He is. It's like one big tribulation, smash. Now learn from me and now receive from love. Because now I'm in love, I want to spend time at your feet. So the more I'm at your feet and receiving revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I'm going to live this surrendered life It's just a natural outworking It's so innate You don't think about it, it is Because it's in you You've gone past the point of choosing it It's the way in which you live Because you've realized through revelation How amazing it is Does that make sense? It's like when you discover cookies and cream ice cream For the first time You don't go back to vanilla (laughs) Or whatever your flavor is it just becomes the new mode as cookies and cream ice cream until you discover something better than cookies and cream ice cream. And then whenever that is, you just start eating that. It's like go to um, Simmer Cafe. Mate, they've got these um, cinnamon scrolls. Oh, I discovered them about three months ago. Actually, when were we there? The first time was when me and him were there having a meeting. And I was on a non-a-treat day. I was like, "Oh, look at them! Oh, this is torture!" And he's eating whatever he wants to eat because he just eats anything. And I'm like, "Oh, and that big!" And I said to Danny, "I said, it came back and to that. Said, right, Saturday morning, we're going to Summer Cafe. <laughs> Apparently, they're made on the spot, and by nine o'clock, they're out. Yeah, oh, we were there, and oh, I'm never going back to anything but Summer Cafe." Cinnamon scrolls. The BP ones are terrible compared to those ones. I tried one, it's so dry. Why? Because you've tasted something. And the love of what I tasted takes me back until maybe I'll taste something greater and maybe I'll go there. But until I do, it's the love of what I tasted that keeps me tasting and wanting more and more and more. And this is the power of revelation. This is the power of in in the book, chapter 5. It's all about revelation is the key to transformation. Revelation is the key to a transformed life. It's not something that you and I can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we try and we get frustrated. See, We try and come into God's ways without him. And we never do because that's not the design. The design is you and me together walking this out with my body. So it's not even just about you and Jesus. We like that one, don't we? I can do this on my own, and I can do it away from, but no, no, here's the thing. My decisions affect everybody. Your decisions affect everybody, because God has designed it to be in a body. And I think we talked about that last week with me and Mike, is that we are to walk together. I can't give you the revelation that I've got. You can't give me the revelation that you have, but we can share it. We can pray for one another that we would receive it. We can model from the position of revelation so someone can see the life we're now in through coming into more of Him and they can see a surrendered life to see what a surrendered life looks like, which means it's possible. That brings hope, isn't it? Once you can see it, wow, that's what it looks like. Okay. But once again, you don't want to go and try and replicate the outcome. You want to go, how did you get to that place? Let me tell you, it started with being surrendered. Is there any other way? Well, I tried all these other ways But nothing actually happened I tried all the other ways of getting into the pen I went to this place and they taught this I went to that place, they taught that They said these guys said claim it, grab it And scream it and you'll have it These guys over here said you buy it These guys over here said ABC But what I discovered was the only way in was through surrender You see, you can't have resurrected life without death For Jesus to release resurrected life, he needed to die. It's once again, it's a picture of the spirit. You can't have resurrected life if you're still trying to live. There must be a death for there to be a life. It's the way. And revelation is the way into life. Jesus said, on the revelation of my son, I will build a church. Jesus said, the Son is the only one who knows the Father, and the Father is the only one who knows the Son, and to whom the Son wills to reveal the Father. Peter, where did you get this knowledge of heaven from? How did you know I was the Messiah? For flesh and blood, man, did not reveal it to you. You did not reveal it to you through studying scriptures. You did not reveal it to you through any other means. I had to reveal it in you. How did Paul know that Jesus was the Messiah? He revealed him in him. It's the only way. There is no other way to this true knowledge but through the power of revelation. And we hate that. And so will you and I surrender to what I just said? If you don't, you will spend your whole life trying to find life, and you'll go round and round and round the bush. Can you see how that's going to birth humility? Can you see how not being able to enter into something in your own strength kills you? You'll either kill yourself trying or you'll let go and go, ah, okay, I surrender. I surrender. It's a good word. I surrender. They write songs about it. It's the way. Surrender is the way to life. And all you have to do every time you want to know whether it's true or not is that opposite to the world. (laughs) That's how you know what's true or not. If it's opposite to the world, it's the truth. If it's not, it's not. See, God's ways are right from his perspective, but from the flesh perspective, they're not, are they? It sounds completely back to front. And so just come with me to Romans twelve. And then I'm gonna we'll wrap it here. And I shared a little bit of this this morning, but I just want to read out the passage because this really is a massive. It is. It's a, all scripture is massive. There's no way around that. You know, it's like Galatians one eleven to twelve, and Paul says that. The gospel was, man didn't teach me it, I didn't learn it, I didn't receive it through the agency of man, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus. So the only reason Saul became Paul was because he received direct revelation from heaven. It's powerful, and it was in him. It wasn't to him, see he was blinded when it came in front of him, but then When the laying on of those hands come and through the power and the anointing of the Spirit be filled with the Spirit and it's all done through the power of the Spirit, not our ability to do it, it's not us doing it, but it's an act of faith and as a transaction, boom, Christ went into him. Now life is starting to take on a whole different shape. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, I'll read it all out and then we'll come back. By the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Hey, guys, just want to tell you about a good idea, something I followed or tripped over while I was walking the dog. Um, Oh, get your minds renewed. No, no, no. He's like, look, I'm urging you. Paul knows this is the way in. Paul knows this is the way to life. Why? Because he's come into it this way. He's experienced it and is experiencing it. He said we have the mind of Christ, we're to have the mind of Christ, and you have the mind of Christ as your mind gets renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's really urging us. See, it's an urge. What do you do when you urge? It's like, I wish I could actually sort of somehow slam this into you. I'm trying to stop you going from where you think or what you're trying to do over here because this is really important. So he's like, I urge you, my brothers, By the mercies of God, God has accomplished this incredible purpose and plan. By the mercies of what God has done, stop what you're doing and take note because of what the Father has done and what he's calling us into because this is the answer to it all. Stop living for self and hear the message today, the word of God being declared. So by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What did God say? What did David say? I don't want your offerings and I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is a broken spirit. Present yourself on the altar to be changed. Present you, your body, everything about you Your mind, your will and your emotions Present yourself And get ready to be changed This is your spiritual act of worship Not singing songs This is what it's about It always has been about Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me You see where the fight lies And I said this this morning, living sacrifices can walk off the altar. Dead ones can't. A sheep would have its throat cut. A a cattle, a cow, cut, it's gone. But it's supposed to be there as a demonstration of what it is in the spiritual. It's messy, isn't it? I don't know what we think or whether we even thought about this, but when they were killing animals in the tabernacle... It wasn't pretty anyone been to the killing works and seen a a beast? It's horrible blood spurts everywhere it's it's messy, and see when you think about that and you think about the process of offerings and sacrifices and the blood and all the flesh think of, can you hear what I'm saying, and your flesh that God's wanting to die and there's a fight those animals don't want to die. they're trying to kick get out they know what's coming, yeah. Well, are we any different? If we want to run away from the death. We don't want to surrender. It's all a picture to show us how brutal this whole thing is of the flesh dying. It's bloody. It's messy. It's not something that's like oh, this is so nice and sweet, you know. It's like the flesh wants to live, and he's saying, present yourself before me because I want to do a work, and I want to do a work of the spirit on you. The way you think, the way you act, the things that are in your heart, the hurt that you carry. I want to heal that. The things that are stopping you becoming and living from being a son. I want to come and do a work in you. I want to come and do surgery. Because the word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts and minds. And it's all for our benefit None of it is for You know None of it's gonna hurt us In the sense of it's for us So he's telling us here to present our bodies This is what true worship is And do not be conformed to this world The world is the flesh Which we've all started in So we all start It's all about us And it can still be about us Because we're not surrendered. Stop living in the ways of the world. The world's all about itself, isn't it? I, 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 I. So he says, don't be conformed to this pattern, the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So once again, we can't just run off and go, right, now I'm going to renew my own mind. I'm going to read it and 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 it's going to sink in. No, we go, Father... I acknowledge, I surrender to the pattern of the world. I surrender that I can't know you without you. And revelation is the key to transformation. So I'm, stop, I'm going to stop trying to understand you and your ways through the old operating system of where I've come from. And you're going to help me, Lord, because you tell me if I seek you with all your heart, I'll find you and I'll find the real you. And you're going to actually reveal in me and to me your ways and your life. And then that's going to set me free. Because I know I can't do this without you and I need to be in a body as well because you've given gifts to the body to build the body up. So I can't be a lone ranger out there in the world thinking I'm a solo Christian, whatever they are. No. I'm not going to be like the world. I'm going to be like you. And he says then, and once again, here's the promise. Because if this is happening and this gives you why so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good, perfect, and acceptable. So through this process, you're going to know why you're here. You're going to know why he created us, what it's for, how we're to live, why we're to live this way, who we are in him. And then as he starts to reveal all this, you're now going to live and we're going to live in accordance to that way. So then we will reflect the true representation of heaven on the earth. It's massive, eh? It's so huge and it can become and appear so huge that we don't even bother climbing the mountain because it's just too big. And yet he says all things are possible and take little steps. You take one, I take 20. You take two, I take take out 2,000. And all of a sudden, because you've surrendered, you find yourself in a life, which is chapter four, which is an indestructible life in Christ. And all of a sudden there's a joy and a peace and a patience. Like he says, if you obey the commandments and you come into this promised land, you'll have cities you didn't build, cisterns you didn't dig, Vineyards that you've not even planted, but you'll be the receiver of this life. See, it's all from the physical to the spiritual. The promise is the same. As we enter into the resurrected life, which is the promised land, you receive a joy you didn't dig, a peace you didn't go looking for, a rest that you've never known what it's like before, a freedom to live this life out, and you'll walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. So it all sits before us But if we're not this Then we'll never Walk in the realisation Of what it is Because this is number one And this Defines it all Satan didn't want a bar of it And he got kicked out With a whole lot of a third of an angels Because they didn't want to do this they wanted to be, didn't they? And this is what the war's is about, isn't it, right now? Who are you going to submit to? But really the two gods is God and us. That's the real battle. It, as it always has been, we like to make it about him. He's in the picture, but this is what it really is here. So, it's really the same thing said differently, just layered over, and yet the simplicity of it is so profoundly deep. And he just looks and says, What are you going to do with your choices? And will you do it together? Because you're going to need one another to walk this out. You know, what would have happened if Jesus had bailed when his disciples were trying to kill the Samaritans? I mean, think about it. They're trying to kill people, and they're his disciples. Do you think the flesh is operating? Do you think they're surrendered? And we don't get this. Ah, oh, yeah, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. Really? may not be as extreme as that. What about gossiping about someone? You know how powerful and destructive gossip is? Bible says not to gossip, doesn't it? See, if Peter had been surrendered, he would have actually listened and have ears to hear the great commandment, which is to go love his brother's. But because he wasn't surrendered, he wanted to go on mission with Jesus. But Jesus gave him a commandment and said, no, no, I want you to go that way. The new commandment I give you, Peter, is to love those men. Why are you asking me questions about where I'm going? (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Are you tracking with me? So when he presents you with something, Are we surrendered to what he says, or do we want to go our own way? See, Peter went his own way, and it ended up him denying Christ because he didn't have the work done in him because he wasn't surrendered. So when the test came on him, he failed because he was unsurrendered, and because he was unsurrendered, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't do what he was asked to do, which was love those men. Why are you asking about coming on mission with me? Even though Jesus has prophesied into the future You will go But not now You're not ready See if you try and step past this You'll fail You'll be found out God will allow a test To bring you back to the place Where you should have learnt The problem is That could be five years It's not wasted Because at least now you know <laughs> But If you learn from me, one tribulation's enough. Revelation, revelation, revelation. Yes, Lord, I'm surrendered to you, so I'm going to do it your way. If you tell me to love those men, I'm going to love those men, and I'm not even going to ask questions about why I can't come with you because you asked me to love those men. And that's why the great commandment will form this love in us because, like I said, if you're loving others, you ain't loving yourself. And if you ain't loving yourself, you're not living for yourself. And if you're not living for yourself, you're not leading yourself. Someone else is leading and has the reins because you are surrendered.